Hey, welcome to episode 17 of Invest in Scale. This is your host, Gabriel Murillo. And in today's episode, we have Ojuel Galabispini. And in today's episode, we have Ojuel Belagapuri. And he's going to be sharing his journey of multiple acquisitions, what it takes to really develop a resilient mindset throughout acquisitions and being his core mindset, hack and framework to be able to go through adversity, push through and move on from five to six to and multiple seven-figure deals. So he comes from a real estate investing background and he was able to buy his first business while he was having a full-time job. Again, a very unique story. So I cannot wait to see what he's going to be doing in the next few years. With that, enjoy this episode. Hey, Ujo, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for uh, joining, and I'm excited to catch up and see what are the latest and greatest. I really enjoy our previous conversations, so yeah, thanks for joining. Yep, yep. No, I appreciate it. No, we first started talking a couple of years ago, so it's nice to come full circle after a few acquisitions under our belt and and catch up again. I know. I, I, I can clearly remember how we were chatting about it. It sounded like this fantasy and this crazy vision, but I'm excited and, and I'm proud of you that you executed and now it's uh, it's a matter of like continuing to make things happen. So yeah, to get started, I would love to hear uh, a little bit more about what uh, you were doing before you were buying businesses and what led you into deciding to, to go that path. Yeah. So I bought my first business when I was 24 and before that, I really didn't have a whole lot of experience, but I graduated school from college with a supply chain degree. And so I was working at aerospace and automotive companies uh, prior to purchasing my first business and even concurrently. So I was working in supply chain management procurement and had started a real estate investment company. So primarily just commercial real estate in the city of Detroit. And then that snowballed into multiple dozens of units. And then that said, you know what, let me, let me take a look at some, some of these businesses. You know, there's some of these businesses out there that are simply yielding a better ROI than commercial real estate that I'm involved in. So that's how I finally, one thing led to another, a lot of failed deals happened and then eventually bought my first bar. Yeah. So that was a brick mortar business and, and you make a shift from real estate to buying a business that those are two very different things, even though they have a lot of similarities. Do you remember when you started kind of searching for the whole path of acquisition entrepreneur? Was it somebody or a particular idea that got in your head or how do you get exposed to this acquisition uh, entrepreneurship path? To be honest, I didn't even know what that, those two words meant in combination till probably a year or two ago. Uh, before, back in the day, it was just, oh, there's this great piece of property on Craigslist. Let me buy it. Oh, there's another one. And then there's another one. There's another one. So I kept buying on Craigslist. And then obviously I would be all over Craigslist and I would check out the business section. So because they do have some commercial buildings there, that's how I bought one of my buildings. And I would see all these businesses for sale and I'm looking like, holy cow, they're approximately the same price that I can buy one of my buildings for, but they're yielding significantly higher. So was that on Craigslist? 
It was Craigslist. I bought my bar oh, wow. off Craigslist. I bought my gym off Craigslist. Amazing. Bought a lot of stuff. A lot of my investments off of Craigslist. So that really was it. It was just curiosity, and one thing led to another, and started. It was actually it was actually a pizza restaurant that I, that first caught my attention. Then it was a restaurant, and then a club, and then multiple sports bars, another distribution medical device distribution company. All of those failed deals for one reason or another, and then ultimately saw the sports bar and close. And how long ago was that? That was it was twenty four. This was closed July fourth, I believe, or July first of twenty sixteen. Yeah, so quite you know a few years ago, and so after that, you also got into the online space, and there's a bunch of different things that you've been doing in the past few years. So tell us a little bit more about that. So. Back in Michigan, back in Detroit, I bought that sports bar. Then I bought a little gym, again off Craigslist. And then finally, my third business, I was, this was all while I still had my day job. I still had my real estate portfolio. But I was always listening to these guys, the Empire Flippers guys. You know, I listened to their podcast. I listened to their, I checked out the website. I mean, I was really learning a lot from the content that they had put out. And then that got me in touch with some of these other brokerages, uh, some of the other content that's out there in the world. And that was just always in the back of my mind. Okay, e-commerce, content. I mean, it was just always so intriguing, even though I had these very physical businesses. So I said, you know what, let me, let me finally check this out. Let me see what this thing's all about. I was flirting around with businesses back you know, in the early days around the time that I bought my bar and just never pulled the trigger. And then I go to revisit it two, three years later, and now prices have, you know, increased substantially. Still very much a deal compared to what they're selling for in 2022, but it seemed expensive back then. I said, let me make a larger purchase in the e-com space or online business space. And so looked around with a lot of brokers and finally went with an Amazon FBA business that I bought. And I thought it was a great investment. Uh, just was very excited, had two deals under contract, finally went with one of them, and it turned out to be the worst deal ever. <laughs> so I lost a bunch of money, got screwed over by the seller, did poor diligence. I'll definitely blame myself on that one. And you know, ultimately had to eat the loss. And, but it was a one-year learning curve uh, of the FBA world. Just sourcing, working in FBA, and then finally selling it as well. So was able to recoup some of my losses, but it was overall a good learning experience. And then from there, bought a, it was a physical company, I guess. There, we had an office, but it was an insurance software consulting firm out in Dallas that I liquidated all my assets in Michigan. I relocated to Texas and took that company over. It's about a 15-year-old company, consulting firm on enterprise insurance software. And then from there, bought a little productized service company as well, just a little over a year ago. So that's really how I got into the online world. And it's something that, you know, I've dabbled back and forth in the online and brick and mortar businesses. And I Absolutely love both. That's fascinating. Before I go on, I, I got to say that what you're sharing is critical because there's a lot of hype right now 
with buying businesses and a lot of people getting into the space. And I think I was talking to somebody here in Mexico City last week that's been around for 12, 15 years. And he told me something that I never heard. He said, Gabriel, there's no incentive for anybody to tell you not to buy a business. And I'm like, oh, wait, what? What do you mean? Yep. Everybody, in a way, is incentivized to tell you like you should buy a business. In reality, a lot of people should never oh, yeah. buy a business. Even like in, in your case that you had some business experience and whatnot, you still went through that. And, and I definitely want to touch more on that and really expand that way people get both, they get the reality of how hard this is, even though it's very simple and it, it is still a lot of work. So, but let, let's go back a little bit to this first business that you bought brick and mortar. There were two different businesses and then you had, you say you have a full-time job and then you're doing real estate. So back then you were working, you know, what, 80, a hundred hours a week so or something like that. <laughs> I would, um, that would be lying if I said that I am innately pretty lazy. And I've heard a lot of people say this. I thought I was unique in that, but I am very lazy. And so I did the bare minimum at my day job. I tried to maximize. And I mean, I was a decent performer. I got promoted. I could have gone down that path as well, but I was very efficient in a nice way of my time. So I would be on company time, coordinate my real estate things, you know, property manage, get in, you know, talk to brokers, get new leads, as well as source for new acquisitions, do a little bit of work that I needed to coordinate contractors to finish up touches on my, at my bar, hire people for my gym, get new tenants for the real estate. I mean, it was, there certainly were very busy days or very busy weeks, but I worked a full-time day job. And then in addition to that, I would go down to some of my physical businesses and spend the evening. And certainly, I think the busiest week was my opening week. I was closing my largest real estate transaction. I quit two days before my bar opened, two days before my largest real estate transaction was closing, the bar and that were happening on the same date. And the final touches to the bar. So I had the contractor coming in, doing everything. Plus my liquor deliveries were not in on time. So I was coordinating all that. I was handing off my day job work responsibilities to, to my colleagues. And so it was probably the most toughest week that I've had to deal with. And on top of that, I had zero help on the bar. You know, it was just me. I had no partners. Barely anybody knew about it at that time. I've, I've never drank. So I, I didn't know literally how to create a menu, uh, how to price anything. I did not have any employees. I had zero seller transition support. So I was doing everything from scratch about something that I had zero idea about. So it was, so that week was certainly tough, but you know, somehow managed to make it happen. Had a soft opening still to this day, our, our absolute best night ever throughout the time that I had owned the bar. But besides that, it was pretty consistent. I, I think if I had to put a number on it, maybe 50, 60, 70 hours. I mean, I mean, it's tough to say just because I hate working and I hated working. I would count my hours at my day job. That was absolutely, I would never work over 40 hours a week unless obviously I was traveling. But everything else, that was all me. So I love to do that. So driving around the streets of Detroit, 
all weekend looking for properties, uh, going from bar to bar, gym to gym, looking up businesses to buy with these brokers, doing a bunch of diligence online. I mean, researching stuff, all that. I mean, that's, that's zero hours because I just love to do that stuff. So basically what you're saying is like you hate working, but you love right, making right. deals. I mean, if it's, <laughs> if it's for me, you know, it's, I love to do it. So it's fun. So it never felt like work. And so I don't have a good answer for as far as how much I had worked, but it was, it was not a whole lot. And it's, and everything comes in cycle. So right after that, I got extremely bored and I bought my gym. And then after that, I got extremely bored. And I was, I was literally coming home every single day, just, just mind numbingly bored. I, I hated that I was off at five and I would just go and hit the gym. I would be back home pretty early and I had my real estate portfolio. I had my gym. I had my bar. I had a game going on at the gym. I had events. I had a busy bar or, a, you know, it was, let's say Q1, you know, peak season for the gym industry. I mean, even with all that, I just was not having to do anything because everything was set up in place. It was automated. It was running on its own. So I was mind just so bored that I kept wanting to do more. And so I think it always has its cycles, but it, as long as it's fun for you to do, I, I, I think it's, it's something that you can definitely. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's just like people said that, yeah, I love the process and I know it's kind of cliche and, and whatnot, but that's exactly what you're doing. Like you actually love and enjoy that. And there's also a lot of whole premises where people are like, oh, I'm going to buy a business because it's this whole passive income. And that's okay. If people are doing it for that, that's okay. But the reality, it does take a lot of bandwidth and strategy or thinking or solving problems to you that energizes you. But I can tell like we all got into this whole buying a business with different goals. And for people listening, there's no one way of doing it. If you do not want to work, that's fair. But the reality, like, wouldn't you want to do something that is exciting that some people call it getting in, in flow, right? Like you're in flow, you're doing something that just lights you up. And like, what else would you do with life? Like you say, you otherwise you get bored. So I'm curious, how big were, were those deals were in like the six figure, seven figure range? I've actually never said this, but... <laughs> All of them were out of my equity, which all but the insurance company, the software company, were five-figure deals. So they were, in hindsight, looking at it, oh, wow. very, 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 very small. The bar was a five-figure deal. The gym was a five-figure deal. The e-com one was a five-figure deal. I mean, these were all, but these were all cash purchases. Zero seller financing, zero bank leverage. Correct. I had zero debt that I could sorry, zero traditional debt that I could obtain. So I had weird debt. Like I was mm -hmm. taking, uh, what are they called? Credit cards, the, the cash advances. I was, I was getting loans, like P2P loans at 17%, 24%, just because I couldn't, for whatever reason, couldn't wow. get anything else. You know, even with the 800 credit score, I don't, I don't know. I just couldn't get anything on these businesses. So, and they needed to close yesterday. So I was coming in with the cash, expensive cash that I personally guaranteed and took out small amounts for. But then again, this, these are five-figure deals. So all of that snowballed into mm. some of my future deals. But it was what I realized was even though they were small five-figure deals that I look back at now and I'm, I'm just like, holy cow, that was 
you know, I'm buying that much equipment every other week. Like it, I mean, those are tiny, but the lessons and the valuable experience that I had accrued over that time absolutely laid the foundation. And if I had not had that experience, I, there's no way I'd be sitting here right now. Yeah. Basically, you got lucky to be able to train yourself into larger and more complex deals, but you didn't have to pay maybe an MBA that it could be half a million dollars or or you didn't have to go through like a lot of the other alternative out there that nowadays it seems like there's a lot of masterminds that, you know, they will charge $100,000 a year just to teach you about buying businesses, which again, there's no right or wrong about it. But I think what you did is it's phenomenal because I don't think a lot of people get will get the luxury to do that right now at that level because like you mentioned the valuations mm -hmm. right now are insane so are very very overpriced businesses and i don't even think that craigslist is is not good like right, it was right. a few it's, years uh, ago right <laughs> it's distributed over multiple marketplaces now kind of sucks the secret's out well good stuff man no thanks for sharing that and i think moving towards the next one, like you mentioned, you got into that insurance one, and also there's another one, a productized service. So whatever you want to share in there that you think it has been insightful for the other part of the story, which we're going to get into in a few. So the insurance software company, that was a deal where I had wanted to buy. It was starting off as a, a seven-figure deal, and I was like, okay, this is something that I can chew off of. I can try and do this with some seller financing and, you know, with a little bit of cash that I can obtain myself. But ultimately, I was not able to get the cash. So I said, you know what, let me move on. And three months later, four months later, I get a call saying, hey, someone else had bought this company. He beat you out. I really wanted to go with you, but he just simply had the cash and you did not. But thing is, I told him about you and he wants you to take over and be the president of the company and, and run it. I said, I'm not looking for a job. I appreciate it, but you know, not looking for a job. I would need to be an, an owner. So they allowed me to buy in as a minority. It was just me and him and I still have minority equity, but it was a sizable chunk that I said, you know what, I can buy into this. And I got in at a much better valuation than he did. But it was it was my first company where I had staff that were, I mean, my team made way more than I had ever did at any of my day jobs. So, I mean, th this was a group of highly paid, very smart, intelligent engineers, business analysts. These guys had developed the software that Oracle had eventually acquired. And so a very smart, talented group of guys. And so... Being in that environment, doing enterprise sales, working with enterprise customers, that was just a whole different ballgame from running a sports bar or running a, a little gym or, you know, dealing with my small commercial retail strips in the city of Detroit. I mean, it was just a different ballgame. So I loved it because it was more applicable to my day job where I would deal with enterprise, enterprise customers or at least, you know, nine and 10 figure customers. And I liked it for that. And come COVID, I, I think we were, I think 2020, actually, we were in that mastermind together where we were talking about, hey, let's go and buy a yeah. business. You know, is this a good time to buy? Unfortunately, at that time, that 
insurance software company did take a pretty large hit just because of the enterprise sales cycles had just evaporated and insurance is always slow. And on top of that, COVID just derailed that cycle even, even further. And so I was already thinking about shifting gears to purchasing businesses. And I think our consensus, we quit that mastermind, if you remember, because we all came to the conclusion that deals were way too overpriced and there were absolutely just no good deals to be had. And I think we met for at least two, three months. And then you know, we just said, you know what, there's, there's really nothing out there. I think we're just going to give it some time, see what fizzles out and what happens. But my thinking was, I still wanted to buy something, but I've had a company that just kind of took a hit after I bought it. I had one Amazon FBA business where it really, you know, I got screwed on the acquisition. I got screwed on the deal. I lost a bunch of money. I had also on the bar technically had a net loss of the overall investment. I purchased it purely for learning. So I don't look at, at it as a financial investment necessarily, but I did technically lose a couple of bucks on it. It was a little in the red. Operationally, it was in the black, but overall, all things were said and done, it was in the red. So I'm looking at this and saying, all right, you want to go and purchase a larger business. You've only ever purchased five-figure deals. And now you're looking to buy something in the six figures and you're starting to look at seven figure deals as a possibility. So how can you even consider that? That's way too big of a leap. And so I'm like, all right, let me go and test my thesis. Like, you know, so I started, I got introduced actually in that mastermind to the search fund community. I started learning all these big words. I started reading up on all this stuff and started to correlate my learnings in real life with stuff that was actually studied. I mean, there, there were words for the stuff that I was doing. I just didn't know they had actual words to define it. And so it was very interesting to actually learn it the right way, or at least in paper, talking to people. And they would educate me on, okay, this is how you do it. This is what the process is. And this is what it looks like. And for me, I'm just going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about because I've done it a billion times, but this is what it actually looks like. This is how to actually formalize it. And so I said, all right, let me put down on paper exactly what I'm looking to do and execute on it and see if I can actually make a home run. Like if I'm going to do this for a seven or larger figure deal, I got to do this with a tiny little one. So I went and go and tested it out, found a small business on MicroAcquire, ultimately was able to purchase it within five, six days. And that turned out to be a pretty good deal. I think immediately I knew it was a good deal because it was cash flowing and I bought it for about the same amount. So, and fast forward a year later, I'm getting an offer for dozens, dozens, multiples more than what I had paid for it. So overall, it was a great deal. Wow. But ultimately, what that did was it made me more confident. It told me that you can put something on paper, you knew exactly what you wanted, you knew exactly how to get it. And when you saw what you wanted, you can close on it. Close in five, six days, and you worked very well with the seller, you transitioned well, and you were able to execute and actually grow the business. So 
it gave me a huge boost of confidence that I needed to propel me into some of my largest acquisitions that were a hundred times big. Well, congratulations. That's fascinating. And I can, I can tell that I know we're just sharing a little bit of your journey and your history in this whole path. And there's the next chapter, which you and I agreed before recording this call that we, we want to keep it very high level, just because for business strategic purposes, that's the best way for you and for the community as well at this moment. Hopefully two, three years from now, we'll come back and we'll share all the stories. But that's, I think the takeaway from the people listening is like, you know, there's so many, but so far what I'm, what I'm saying here is like two, three years ago, we were in this mastermind. We had no idea where we were going necessarily, but we were on it. We were exploring. And that's again, why I wanted to do this podcast. And if you're listening and you're considering this, you know, take hope on that two, three years, you have no idea where you could be. And, and that's the fascinating path of this acquisition entrepreneurship compared to anything else where in your case, like you had a very specific criteria, you had some learning, some experiences that led you to define that specific criteria. But then when you got that boost of confidence, now you are into bigger and better things, but you needed to go through that thing. And we all have. So I wish people get to understand more about there's not a linear path. Like there's not a perfect path that you're just going to buy this perfect business. There's all these different things and it's going to be different for everybody. But I want to go ahead and jump into the next thing before I do that. I, I, I want to dig in a little bit more on what you were sharing. So you walk us through this different path, the different acquisitions, and then you got to the point where now you are, you have that confidence, you have enough experience and resources and connection. But what happened with the other businesses, meaning the sport bears, the gym, and um, the insurance you already touched on, but what about the real estate? Are you still doing any real estate deals? Or are you still kind of staying away from that? Or Yeah, so in 2019, when I had bought the insurance software company, I had liquidated the gym, the bar, and the real estate portfolio, sh the first two shortly before that acquisition, and then the real estate shortly after I bought into it. So. I had, I was pretty much divested, uh, liquidated, or I was liquid at that point, And I didn't make too large of an investment into the insurance software company. So I was, I was sitting there liquid and I said, you know what? I've got this cash. Let me, let me accrue more cash. But the biggest thing, let me learn and let me sit in on this company and operate it and take it to a new level because I've never done that. That was my first full time role. At any of my businesses. Prior to that, I had a day job plus three full-time businesses. So that I was not operating. You know, they were full-time incomes, but they involved very little from me. So I was just very excited to work on that business. But by 2019, I had liquidated everything. My goal was to focus on one thing. I had made an angel investment and this this one. Uh, founder, she told me, oh, Joel, I don't know how you can do four or five different things. Like, I'm only working on my startup and I've invested my entire life into it. And I was like, well, that's exactly why I invested in you, <laughs> you know, because you did that. I'm a little bit different. I, I just like to have my hands in a few different things. But I kept thinking about that and got feedback from a lot of folks that were very successful, are very successful, that focus is a big, big factor. So I said, you know what, let me divest in everything else, those were all investments versus this I want to take on as a scalable business. And so 
I liquidated everything and my goal was to focus on just one business at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And and sounds like you're still going to have the need to be in all kind of different things at the same time, but that doesn't mean that you have to own all kind of different businesses, right? Like you can still be diversifying your energy within one business and like scaling that business. So the name of the show, Invest in Scale, the reason I, I name it that way is because reality is no matter if we're operators or not, ultimately down the path to become an investor, we want to influence this business that we're buying and we need to invest time and money. And it's a very different way uh, of operating and growing a business than it is just thinking as an investor. And like you just described, you were operating some of these deals, you were in the weeds, you were actively doing that. And now you find a different path where you're like, okay, I can, yes, I have to operate, I have to work, but ultimately you're investing towards building a platform and building a team and building a different structure that it's a different mindset. So do you mind sharing a little bit more about why you're now thinking as an investor? Of course, we all know like we all want to be investors, but it's a shift on the way you think, you act, and the kind of goal setting now that you have, you know, this new chapter in your whole path, right? Yeah, kind of the investor versus kind of entrepreneur or self-focused mindset. So I had started off as an investor because I didn't have the time. And I had my full-time day job that was putting, you know, food on the table and that was my only source of income, right? So, and that's what I was doing for the majority of the day, majority of the week. And so I had only a finite amount of time outside of that, even though I did a lot of personal business work during work, I had only a finite amount to work on my real estate in the early days or my bar or my gym. So I kept looking at it as, okay, my day job is what's going to pay the bills and, and get me out of binds when I do lose a bunch of money and other stuff, that's going to be the foundation. And so that was my primary focus. And everything else was capped at whatever I could get away with. For example, the gym and the bar, they both had managers. They both had lead bar staff or whoever it was. So they were managing everything. And I was completely content letting things go. As in, I wasn't penny pinching and pushing it to the to the nth degree to eke out like 10% more profit, you know, 20% more profit. I was just, I was just cool. I was just chill. You do what you got to do. You run it, have a good time. And as long as I'm meeting certain thresholds, I'm good because it's just an investment. You know, I'm getting a decent ROI, actually a very good ROI. And at the same time, I'm doing multiple different things. So it's just simply a cash flow source. And my primary source was still uh, my day job. Whereas my mindset uh, started to slowly shift where I was thinking, you know what, I think I got to quit my job because I am capping what I can do with my businesses as a result of this short-term finite thinking. You know, I didn't even make six figures at my day job. So what am I doing here? where my other businesses were making almost as much as my day job. And, you know, I, I could, if I had worked 40 hours a week just on them, I could pretty, I'm pretty sure I could crank out way more as a net positive than had I you know, just remained at my day job. So that was where the, the shift started to happen. I thought, let me work on actually scaling instead of purchasing and just maintaining the cash flow. 
so now my mindset is is very much okay you purchase a business and you know you see what you can do to scale it but it, it's i think to answer your question it's it was really the job that was limiting my thinking because i had a finite amount of time and now i still want to be back in that investor seat because operating is great but for me i i love the position that i was in when i had my job in three businesses even though i didn't like my i didn't like to be an employee necessarily but in today the way i see myself is having multiple businesses that are cash flowing and having my hands in multiple different things and i get to dictate how much time i dedicate to each each and every single one of them excellent excellent yeah, just to expand a little bit more on, on that mindset of investor, I know that we chat offline last year when you were getting this new chapter. Again, we're going to keep this at a high level for, for the audience, but anything you can share about the the new kind of frontier you're pursuing, you have to get into details on any specifics, but whatever you think can be valuable for the audience to kind of put a, some contrast on the type of deals you were doing and now. It's a different skill set, different mindset, and specifically, it's more about investing and scaling. And and now you have all this experience and all this, you know, success and failures that really stack up to be able to say, "All right, I'm ready for this other big deals." And you know, I wish we could open up and share everything. I'm, we're not going to do that, but I, I was just blown away last time we chatted in person. I was like, "Man, this is fascinating!" Like it's specifically the mindset, right? Like the to be able to see that picture to paint that vision. And I know that's going to shift. That's going to change. And I, six months ago when we were at that conference in Mexico City, now it's probably 20 times different. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I would again, say... Going back to more like chatting about the mindset and like where you are right now in this new chapter. So I'll take you back to just literally a year ago. It was very different. <laughs> so I was living in Mexico. I had just bought my fourth business. I was a few months in. I or sorry, I bought my fifth business, my fourth business, the software insurance company, the consulting business wasn't doing too hot. I bought this tiny little product service business. It was doing okay and just chugging along. And meanwhile, like I told you, I've only ever put out five figures and that's the size of companies that I've bought. And I had just a year ago, an eight figure deal under contract, multiple seven figure deals, high seven figure deals. and it was just, it wasn't even phasing me. I mean, after a certain point, I just, I just remember like walking down <laughs> Mexico city, getting some street tacos. And I was like, like I'm paying, you know, I was paying in pesos, right? Like 40 pesos for five tacos. And, and I'm just thinking like, man, like you, you never bought anything over a hundred grand. And yet you're looking to buy something that's literally over a hundred times bigger than the biggest thing that you've ever bought, you know? And it was just, it was just pretty insane to even think about that. But, and then I kept thinking, okay, why am I not phased? Why is this not that big of a deal? And I, and I kept going back to, well, I've done this before. You know, I, I've done this so many times before I have bought so much real estate. I mean, not so much, but you know, I've done a lot of real estate transactions and with my own equity, bought, sold, bought all these businesses. I've gone through every single contract. I did all my legal work myself, all the contract work. I went through bad acquisitions. I went through good acquisitions. I dealt with terrible sellers. I dealt with terrible transitions. I dealt with an amazing transition. 
you know, so, and I've done poor diligence. I, over the years, I kept uh, a rolling spreadsheet of all the lessons learned for every single business, good or bad. You know, you have positive lessons learned and negative lessons learned. And I kept taking a look at that and I kept thinking, okay, going forward, I've got all these lessons learned. I've got so many things that I've done under my belt. Yes, they were in the five-figure range, but is there really a difference if I add on two more zeros? And turns out from August, late summer of last year, I did four more deals. Each one of those four deals was significantly multiples, multiples bigger than anything that I've ever done prior to that. And so it turns out, yeah, it's it wasn't necessarily the size, but it was more just building that foundational experience, the reps under your belt, and just the education along that way. And then ultimately, the confidence to go back and say, hey, you know, you're buying an X million dollar company. And remember five, six, seven years ago when you were buying that sports bar while you had your day job? And while, you know, you were quitting your day job, you had all this stuff, chaotic week going on, weeks going on, and you're trying to make it happen. You didn't have bar staff and you didn't even know how the liquor industry worked, the bar industry worked, but you made it happen. I mean, I kept thinking back to those days of how I executed, how I operated, how I got it under control. I'm like, well, this is the same thing. It's just, it's just a little bit different, but this is the same thing essentially. So, so I would say my biggest learning were that it was just all that foundational experience and confidence that I had built through my early days that last year when I was going through all these acquisitions, uh, I was just looking, okay, yeah, this is not that big of a deal. You know, and I had the confidence propelled through the 11th hour double guessing and, and, you know, where you have cold feet, you know, a day before closing or, you know, before or after you've get, gotten rejected from so many banks or so many sellers. And, you know, it just kept propelling me through and through until I closed one last year, closed another, and then, you know, continue to do deals right now. Fascinating, dude. Congratulations. This is. Oh my gosh, there is, there's so much in there. Yeah, I think like you mentioned, it, it, it makes sense. And I think what, what I would love for uh, the audience to understand it, it is not that we're just crazy. Number one, we are, but number two, <laughs> number two, it, it, it makes sense, right? Like it makes sense of, on a financial perspective and perhaps again, going back to the mindset of being an investor, when you got in front of those larger deals in the past few months, you were using perhaps the same mechanism and, and, and a little bit more refined due diligence process and more in-depth and whatnot, but ultimately came down to the numbers, right? You, you saw something that within you know years, uh, you will have X return and based on different strategies that you could stack up value between the businesses or not, whatever you're doing. Again, we don't have to go into specifics, but it's all about that mindset. And that's why I, I keep going back to that because even when we chat, that was, I think, October of 2021, and here we are at the time of recording is May 2022, I was thinking, like, I was going to give up on buying a business, and I heard you talk, and, you know, I heard a bunch of other people as well, but it was just like, oh, wow, this is, is seeing somebody doing it and the possibilities, and I'm glad I didn't give up. I closed acquisition a few months ago, and, but now you're kind of like way ahead, because again, you're 
thinking bigger and you're thinking bigger because numbers allow you to that compared to other in other instances or other business path for example like startups or other riskier ventures it's kind of like oh yeah we go all in or you know take crypto or whatever other path it's like yeah i'm crazy i'm gonna do this stuff and i'm just crossing my fingers that things work out we're still doing that but again it has some backup on like it has some really tangible substance that we can make this calculated risk is that how you feel right now and kind of like these larger deals and why you have that confidence or what else is helping you bring that outside of your confidence in yourself you have confidence in these deals right oh yeah and i mean what i'm looking to buy it's i had a very good understanding of what i had wanted and what i did not want so when i was looking at deals nationwide some i was looking in mexico canada even some internationally and i knew exactly what i didn't want so those would be out in two seconds, and those absolutely no B to uh, no B to C. So nothing retail. Like what, for example? I didn't want anything that was confined to a geographic location. Okay. I want something that could be scalable at a regional or national level, if not international. I wanted something B to B. I wanted something that was stable. I do not want to see a rocket ship or a steady decline. You know, I want something that's flat or just just very little growth. I mean, I realized as I was going through all this and sharing it with people, yeah, this is pretty much what everybody wants, you know, the recurring revenue or some sort of contracts. And sure, that's, I guess it's something that everybody wants, but this is something that I wanted because I had seen the different types of structures between all of my companies. I had seen one-time projects dwindle down, seven-figure contracts with my insurance software company dwindle down into nothing. So, but I loved my reciprocal income from my gym memberships that would, I know exactly how much I was going to make on the first of the next month because all the credit cards get charged on the first of the month for my gym. So I love that aspect. So I wanted that. I did not want to deal with the pain in the butt retail customers. And, you know, in a B2C environment, I love the B2B customer. So I knew I was fixated on that. I did not want to be geographically confined. So I wanted to be able to have a customer that's not just within a certain radius of me, but nationally or internationally. So I knew exactly what I had wanted because I had felt the pain of what I did not want and slowly navigated myself to this ultimate uh, like few things that, man, if I could find all these things in a business, this is exactly what I want. And Turns out, you know, I found a business that was about 90% there. It did have a couple of deal breaker things that I just had to take a look at and say, you know what, for this, I'll make an exception because it's got everything else that really sits with what I want. And so the way I'm looking at it now is just really, it's got to be stable. It's got to be cash flowing. And because like I said, I'm going back, I'm still operating my companies because I've just bought three or a total of four in the last you know, six plus months. And I need to slowly transition. But as I get myself out of them, I'm going back into that investor role where I'm going to be buying companies. I'm just simply looking at the cash flow. So I want the city cash flow. This is the first time I've taken on debt for a business. So I'm really trying to be conservative and paying that down, making sure that I really have an understanding of all my cash flows and I'm not over leveraged, especially if if 
you know, uh, we see anything change in the market. So I'm trying to be as conservative as I can, trying to maintain what I've got, trying to be appreciative of what I got and play and not try and play with the fire that that can be. So, so yeah, really the cash flow is at the end of the day, like you said, the numbers, it's really about the cash flow for me from financial perspective. And then besides that, it's just the learning. So I want to, you know, we met in Mexico city and there, and I spent some time in Mexico last year and something that I want to do in the next year or so, I want to buy a business internationally. I want to learn about just any business. I want to deal with the regulatory headaches. I want to deal with the different people. I want to deal with the cultures. I want to deal with all that stuff. So for better or worse, you know, I don't care if it's a pain in the butt, but I want to learn about it. So that's, that's my next thing where it's more of an education because five years ago, the education that I had back then and buying my bar led me to purchasing these last few companies at a few hundred X scale. And so I'm thinking, all right, if I lay that foundation now again of doing business internationally, you know, maybe five, 10, 20 years down the road, I'll have this foundation that I'm building today for whatever I want to do in the future. Just hearing you speak, it, it it's a, such a refreshing kind of flow for me because, you know, I the more that I'm going down the path, the more kind of safe that I want to be. And I hear a lot about that from, you know, some entrepreneurs. But I think the ability that you have developed in the past few years and based on our previous conversation that you know, I've had, it's like you are, it sounds to me, you tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like you you have been able to experience that, you know, that almost detachment from things and even from in a personal level, which I think I, I'll never forget my uncle. He He's a real estate, you know, 70 years old, real estate dude. He's been doing that for 30 years. And he actually helped a really good friend of the family 20 years ago. He helped him from scratch get into you know, becoming a, a developer and real estate developer and growing next, you know, this, this friend of the family was building like multiple neighborhoods in Baton Rouge and then all over Louisiana. And then he was just very, very successful in that field. So I asked many times my uncle, like, why was not him doing that? And his answer was like, well, our friend of the family had nothing to lose. He came to this country with nothing to lose. I work my bought off for 20 years to have the little things that I have. And I don't want to lose that. Long story short, uh, that's kind of like hearing you talk. It's like you are t thinking bigger and going to the next thing because it sounds to me, again, you're being very free on like, what's the worst case thing? Like, what's the worst case scenario? Like, I'm still going to be okay. Right. Like you went through all this stuff and you, you saw like, okay, it's not that bad. And like hearing you say that you want to go into other countries, it's so crazy, but I'm like, I want to feel that. And right. so far, like I haven't been because it, it sucks, like actually going through pressure and troubles and like, you know, lawsuits and all that crap. It sounds terrible, but I, I get energized by you saying like, I, you want that. So I'm curious to know, like, if that's what you think it's going on in there, or if there's more to it or what's going on in there. Yeah, that's actually interesting that you brought that up about having a nothing to lose mindset because that's absolutely what I do have. And it's, I, I think I've had that since day one. You know, I knew that back then, no matter what, I could always fall back on my job because some, someone's going to hire me. At the worst case, I'm going to have some sort of job, right? Someone's going to pay me. 
now I know that having all this experience and seeing that, oh, wow, like people actually value acquisitions and entrepreneurship and all this at the worst case, I can be an operator for someone else. If, even if I go bankrupt at zero or, you know, I can go and I mean, I think there's limitless opportunities out there, but I just have a lot of confidence that like, even if I do lose everything, I'm very good. I'm always just appreciative, grateful, happy for what I got. And I know that I can live on next to nothing. And so, yeah, I, I do very much operate in what's the worst case scenario. Even last year, I went all in on putting, to be able to buy a business of this size, I needed to go all in, put in you know, nearly all of my liquid net worth into buying this business as a down payment and then leveraging to the max and leveraging on top of that and you know all these new businesses leveraging so it's something that i did but i did it conservatively <laughs> did my diligence on underwriting it and so it has a good approach but at the same time I, yeah i just absolutely do have you know what's the worst that can happen sort of attitude i figured it out in the past not just once but dozens of times and I've got all these lessons learned. I know I'm going to face a ton more of, you know, uh, very difficult situations, but I know I'm going to overcome them. And if I don't, for whatever reason, I know I'm going to figure it out and still be fine. So it's, um, and I think that's, I think that makes for a much more deadly entrepreneur because you, you just take more risks. You're just open to doing more stuff. You're open to trying new things. And, you know, uh, for me, at the end of the day, I don't really care about all the money. As long as before I die, I want to buy every business that I could. I want to try everything that I can in every industry, every part of the country, learn from everybody, work with everybody. I mean, that would be absolute success in the wealth. So along the way, if I go bankrupt a few times, <laughs> you know, I really don't care. So hopefully... None of my lenders are listening to this or no future that investors are listening to it, but it's it's just kind of the mindset that I have. I love it. I mean, in fact, reality, yeah, the reality is like if they're listening, like which they will not, but if they were listening, they will be proud of you because of that mindset. You're basically saying whatever it takes, you're, you're down. Compared to other people are like, oh no, if that happens and I'm going to step away, like you are holy, my friend, congrats again. And dude, like, yeah, we have to catch up eventually one of these trips and it sounds like you, you're getting ready next year to travel a little bit more. So uh, can I wait to hear your journey to wrap up, you know, the next two, three minutes, anything else you'd like to share with the audience and, you know, before, yeah, wrapping up any, any advice or perhaps something that you recommend people do not do uh, with buying businesses? I would just say if there's any, looking back at my past Know, seven, eight, I guess nine years since I graduated college, the biggest takeaway that I've had in that journey has been planting the seeds, putting the work in, uh, in day one. And ultimately, hopefully what I shared is it doesn't matter about the size of the business as long as you are actually doing it. And for me, I'm not that smart. I can't study this stuff. I have to actually physically do it. And so me having done that, no matter how many 
small businesses I had purchased. It was the number of reps that I had put in that allowed me to go from a five to a seven and multiple seven and you know eight figure assets. It's I think that's been the biggest learning to plant those seeds, put in that work, get those reps in, go through an acquisition, go through a good acquisition, a bad acquisition, sell your businesses, go through all of that. And you'll end up leaving as at least an expert in that little niche, or at least a lot more experience in what you're doing so that you have that confidence that I had, you know, just a year ago to be able to say, all right, well, I bought this size of business or this type of company. I can translate my winnings from this industry, this type of niche into something else because I've done it before. It's, it's just simply business at the end of the day. I'm not overthinking this because I bought a small company. I can't do a bigger company or I bought in this niche. I can't do this niche. No, it's just simply business at the end of the day. And I've got the overall learnings and foundational education to be able to leverage that into you know, my next endeavor. So for anyone that has never bought a business, I would, I, I've told so many people this, just go and buy something. There is stuff out there for hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. If you don't have that money, then work your butt off to save up that money and buy it. Don't ask people for money, just do it. You know, just go drop five grand on some website, go drop 20 grand, uh, find something, go drop 50 grand and buy a liquor store. I mean, whatever it is, just go and do it first and then experience that pain, the struggles, the wins, and then do your next deal and do your next deal. And then, you know, you can definitely scale up. But that's as far as my experience and my advice, that's, I would say by far the best way to learn is just simply by burning your hand and doing it yourself. So if there's any one takeaway that, that would be definitely it. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much again for uh, opening up. And I, I bet there's going to be a lot of people that can relate to your journey and I absolutely can. So thank you again. And and yeah, until probably next year, two years, we can catch up and you've got another 10 businesses. <laughs> so uh, thank you for coming, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, you know, just when you told me you had bought yours, I was super excited because just going back to our conversation a couple of years ago. So no, I can't wait to see and um, hear about your journeys next time we meet. Sounds good. All right. That's it for episode 17 of Invest in Scale. Until next week and talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Yeah.